Welcome to the Conscious Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Frenger, founder of Conscious Leaders. This podcast is about providing you with disruptive insights from more human leaders. The progressive leaders willing to talk about the highs and the lows of business, so you can take away both their philosophy and how it plays out practically day to day. This month, I'm bringing you Nicole Saad, CEO of Rothamsted Enterprises. They describe themselves as an innovation, collaboration and events hub for Agritech. Practically, this means offices, events and conferences. What a journey it's been for them over this pandemic. I was really, really keen to showcase a great leader in hospitality. So here we go. I started by asking her just how she got to where she is now. I was lucky and just grabbed loads of opportunity, but I started in hotels and hospitality. I think the wonderful world of hotels, um, you get a really good grounding in customer service, um, problem solving, bit of accounts, bit of uh, bit of everything. So I did a bit of that for a long time. Um, and then had the opportunity, because obviously I knew everything at 22 about how to run a hotel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> clearly, I'd done it for four years at that point. Um, and I had the opportunity to go and set a ski resort up, a, a small inn out in Vermont. Absolutely loved the US. Um, and just basically cried all my way home when my visa expired. So desperately tried to get back out of the US again and was lucky enough then to live in Rhode Island to run it like to work in a hotel, but understanding five-star customer experience Ooh. and how they do it in the US. And I came back, um, clearly I had to then get another visa to go back to the US. Um, so I decided to get a job in the UK. I was lucky enough to be uh, taken on as a, as a salesperson, a BDM, and that venue was owned by a university. And that university and that very inspirational boss of mine said, how do I keep you busy for three years or whatever? And he sponsored me to put me through my MBA. Now, the reason I wanted my MBA at that point was actually to get back to the USA. I needed a better qualification. But, you know, I decided to stay in the UK, got my qualification, stayed in the UK, um, and this inspirational boss of mine uh, decided that I'd had enough, I couldn't do anything more at that venue. Ended up going to work in London as a big, in a big venue, as the operations manager. And then after years of, you know, uh, working in venues, both BDM side, sales, operations, um, I had the opportunity at that point to go sailing. I kind of took a bit of a gap year, um, went sailing a very big boat across the Atlantic, but unfortunately that was during the recession. And I came back and said, well, I'll do anything in a hotel. I've got great skills. And they were like, no, thanks. <laughs> so I then had took a, an opportunity at an asset management company, which I had a great time, lovely experience there. And then I got headhunted for Oakland's, uh, wonderful Oakland's college. We know in Hertfordshire to be their commercial director. So sat there for four years. And then I was approached by Rotham said, that was the right opportunity, the right time to make a move in Hertfordshire. So in a nutshell, yeah. That's that's how I got yeah, here. It sounds like quite a whirlwind, actually. I know. <laughs> I, lucky whirlwind. Enjoyed every moment. Yeah, and I guess um, I approach you specifically for this podcast because you've managed a hospitality business through the pandemic. Mm. So, um, and I was really keen that we were able to kind of showcase someone who's dealt with this kind of side of things um, because, it, you know, it's June 2021 right now. So... This is a very live thing. Mm. We've just heard that the government uh, are not going to let us out of lockdown mm. for another four weeks, I think it is. Is that this yeah. morning? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, and and this this first hit last year. So I wondered if you could say a bit about the journey you've been on um, and maybe touching on yeah what it was like to lead in 
through the, through those mm. times like mm. where they could talk about that it's funny my board and my you know stakeholders say you know march 23rd i was just about to do a victory lap as a ceo you know we'd got the business under control we were taking on developing new assets with what i'm doing now so we were just about to expand the business and go really go for it and then 23rd of march is etched in you know etched in my brain when we came into lockdown i can only describe it as a total roller coaster um there were some real amazing ups and you know just the team the opportunities the innovations were great and there were days that i were just you know doesn't matter what how confident you are and how positive and what an optimistic you know optimistic person you are you just say well today i can just manage the hoovering and that is it um and so there were really really sad days um not that anyone would most probably know that because you try and put your front and your 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 authentic self there but some days it was really tough um you know when you as a hospitality business you know we are customer focus we like our customers we like to be of service to people our job satisfaction comes with delivering events and happy bride and grooms and happy you know happy uh, conference guests um going back to the restaurant you know when you get feedback from customers saying that's a wonderful vegan menu you've just done you get that massive amount of job satisfaction you take all of that away and you take it away from people that are working they're not office based you can't do that kind of job um it's it's a bit soul destroying actually um not only for myself but also for the team so you know the march to june the first tranche as we we say because yeah. you know lockdown 1.0 lockdown 1 um <laughs> actually was brilliant you know for us as a team you had the obviously the the government furlough scheme financially that was a huge support but i was optimistic you know 3 months We'll be out of this, kids, you know, keep going. Um, so we, we took the opportunity to do a lot of training. Um, so we sent people on wine course training, things you could do online, um, upskilled people. Actually, we had two people in the business that were going to leave. So actually, we shared resources and we did things. We got closer to areas of the business perhaps we hadn't looked at before. We reviewed policies, processes, all that admin work that we don't just get a chance to do. So... That was one part of the business, but also it pushed us to be really innovative. So um, our chef doesn't like sitting down for one moment. Goodness, if I said to him, you were gonna go furloughed, I think he would have left me, uh, left the business. Yeah. Um, so we, we started, um, we opened a food bank so that mm. the public can drop off. And, but we did um, deliveries because we could, because we provided food, like um, we sold flour because there was a big, everyone was baking bread. Um, so that was exciting, exhilarating. I think the team might say exhausting. Um, <laughs> but those also that first three months, we were watching the government closely, thinking how we could be forefront. You know, did we get all our PPE and did we get, are we ready for on what we thought was mm. the 4th of July opening? Oh, we're ahead of the game. We got our COVID secure. We got our COVID risk assessments. We had managed our business. We managed our um, costs. And we felt in fairly good shape, I think, coming out of that. Um, and then the announcement was made and actually we weren't permitted to open. We were only allowed to do um, small meetings and essential. And even though despite hotels could, conference venues were classed slightly different. Um, and that was a big blow because I think we had all gathered ourselves up and we just felt like we had worked a little bit for nothing. So it was a bit mm. of a blow, but you know, the summer was there, it was good weather. So we opened the restaurant, uh, we did takeaway service, and actually through the summer, it was okay. It was all right, people coming back. We didn't have the business demand that we hoped, mm. because actually 
businesses didn't want to send their people back, you know, people back to meetings. Um, and that was fine, understandable. But it was a bit sad and, you know, we were a bit at loose end, I suppose. Um, thank goodness we had a build project, two build projects and a relaunch to keep us a bit busy. But then I think the blow really came in the November. Um, we thought we were Christmas parties. We thought we were home dry. Few people would come back in and then the government announced come November. Um, no, you know, unfortunately, it was not going in the direction we'd all hoped. Mm. So okay. lockdown 2.0. Oh, yeah. lockdown 2. So <laughs> even that was, okay, you know, back end of the year, twenty. let's write 2020 off. Um, we'd had a bit of a... I think one of the the low points um, was one of my senior team were very ill that year. Fine now, come out the other side. Mm. Um, but that said member of team was um, in intensive care. Seeing a picture of a, a senior team member as a CEO when, when you know, you're doing everything desperately to work safely and securely. It was nothing to do with COVID, but seeing pictures of your senior team member in that such a state and deteriorate so quickly sends a bit of a shockwave. So we'd had that to deal with um, as a leader, but also as a senior team. You know, mm. that person was is a big personality in our team and suddenly not having that person around was a bit of a holy moly moment. Mm. Um, so you had the kind of ups and downs of the pandemic going on and then this other blow hits you with this person getting really ill mm, yeah yeah that was sad that was mm. and I think as a leader you have to know what is in your control and what is out of your control I'm a warrior anyway um <laughs> I I worry about everything from money to people to um am I doing a good enough job you know all of that good stuff because I just want to do great stuff um and I I think yeah that was a I hadn't done anything wrong but I still felt a huge sense of responsibility to that person. Um, I, st- I have a huge sense of responsibility to all my people. Mm. And I, they're my, like my, that sounds really corny, doesn't it? Family, but we spend so much time together. And I think going through a pandemic brings you closer together and you see the true people that you have around. Mm. I'm very lucky with the people I have around. I don't think we would have got out, you know, we, we've got each other through it. Each, everyone has good days and bad days. And it's really important to recognize that and mm. not just go, ha ha, it's all fine. <laughs> Yeah, so to sort of be honest with how people are feeling. Yeah, we have, a, yeah. we have a check-in. So when we have our senior team uh, meetings, we're like, how are you doing? But part of our agenda, I wish I'd shown you today, is personal check-in. How are you showing up for this meeting? And during the, the Zoom stuff and off-site and home working, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, fine. But you can't sense that body check-in and that, mm, how are you really doing? Mm. So I don't usually accept, yeah, I'm fine. It's like, no, no, rubbish. How are yeah. you really doing? So, um, yeah, it's important to sense check with your people and be true about it. And I guess because there's been so many ups and downs for, for you and the team through the pandemic, um, like how was that for you to like sort of one-on-one to check in with people? Was that something you were aware of? Mm-hmm. If the people were in so many different circumstances, weren't they? Some yeah. had the best life, some had the worst life now with maybe young children at home or something very difficult. Yeah, like all, all of mine are different. All of them coped in different ways. All of them had different circumstances. So it was about, we have one-to-one check-ins every week, um, if not every two weeks for a good hour. And some days, you know, we just chat. And some days it was actually, you know, we have some business to do. Um, there was there was a lot going on. So there was a definitely a blend, but there was some days that you'd pick up the team's call or and say, oh, blah, 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 you know, can we talk about that? And then suddenly an hour and a half later, 
we might have just been totally off tangent, but we needed to talk because you know it evolved and that was okay too mm. um i was back in we were permitted by government actually because we were science and research to continue with the science and our tenants were on site so we were lucky that we had a lot of the time we were able to come in on site um socially distance and i think that helped because actually sometimes like i said you you need to check in with the body language mm. and uh, there's something about when you see someone's face to face yeah it's vocabulary it's it's all of that. You can feel it. I can feel it when there something's wrong. Obviously, we've known each other for a good few <laughs> years now. I think four or five years. Because you are exceedingly optimistic. You mm. come across like you enter a room and there's like an aura of like, this is going to go amazingly. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I wonder how that is for your, like, for your, for your team and for... Um, for the people around you like does that spread like wildfire through the team or sometimes they're like oh god like, <laughs> it's more of, oh god yeah no i think um i think as a leader you have you've got to strike a balance if i sat there carrying you know crying in the corner you know you have to give people faith that mm. this is going to be okay and you have to give them the confidence you have a plan even sometimes when you don't right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but usually yeah. i have a plan a b and c yeah and if I haven't got it, my team have it. Um, one of my team members described, um, we had a bit of a debrief in December about how the 2020 went for all of us. And I will never forget one of my senior team said, um, you are the master of rolling with the punches. Um, because it was, ro- it was every day was a, okay, what can we do today? What can we bring in money? How can we show up? Mm. And how can we live the best day? Um, and I think, I think I can be a pain in the backside to some people though. Like, give it a break. Um, you know, I just, I'm generally an optimist. I mm. think you have opportunities, you have luck and you can choose to do something about it or you can choose, sometimes it's right not to do anything. But usually when I choose not to, it's not the right time to do anything. Mm. So, but yeah, I am optimistic. I think I'm... In your action orientated where possible. Oh, goal orientated, action orientated. <laughs> I think for me, it's a job satisfaction thing. If I know I'm making a difference to mm. a person or to the business, I can skip off home happy that I've, you know, I've done my job. And I guess there must have been days when action and progress and was possible and other days when, like you said, that there wasn't really a lot you could do. And I wonder if you could talk, talk us through kind of any of the darker days and what, what was the toughest thing to deal with? Mm. You know, was it to do with finances? Like, was it to do with... Um, whether you'd retain stuff, what was the most difficult thing about it, really? Um, Hemorrhaging cash, I think. <laughs> you know, cutting, you know, seeing the bank balance. Dis- d- despite all my optimism, all of the things I could control, all the great ideas and the great team, you, the bank balances, did, you know, every day, down, 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 yeah. down. And there was nothing I could do because despite government announcing X or Y, it's all about the customer. If the customers are not permitted or don't have the confidence to return, mm you know um so cash hemorrhaging was was tough um staff you know we we did unfortunately let two staff members go and that was sad we were a small team um but it was necessary for the business um but that was a consequence of this um some days when you think oh i've tried everything i'm running out of ideas here and there's only optimism is going to get you so far Mm. um how am i going to look at this business, how are we going to come out surviving? Um, and, you know, we did, we were lucky we secured the, you know, yes, we've gone into a pandemic with three venues and we've come out with five. We had that in our back pocket. So I knew it was a, I knew long-term it was a pause. It wasn't a, 
is going to be kibosh forever. And the way we've business is structured, we have shareholders. So the support from the shareholders, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't have gone under. But still, this is my reputation, this is our reputation. You've still got to keep the wheels turning. So mm. I think the cash thing, because you had no control over it. And I, I guess in times when you were, were, were worried about cash and things like that, like how much did you share with the team, like <laughs> in terms of what was going on, like, would that be something you'd be open with them about or would you rather protect them from that information like how how do you decide how to deal with that again it's a balance isn't it you know we have quarterly team briefings which we provide a a financial update and when you know and over over that you know our income is less than our outgoings but at the moment we can manage because of furlough and things like that so that was quite open um but the detail of the run rate of losing cash was no, never shared with the team because that's that's unfair. You had a pandemic, homeschooling, to burden them with that, I think is not right. Um, that's the certain responsibility you take as a CEO and a leader. However, you strike that with balance with, gosh, if this happens, if we do end up losing the business, that's people's livelihoods, homes, mortgages. So that's always what's on your what's on my mind anyway um Mm. so i wouldn't have let it get to a stage that guys you need to jump ship but i knew i wouldn't let the business get to that stage and i couldn't it's not within me i would have done Mm. was that stressful for you do you like experience a lot of stress how do you like ride that stuff (laughs) which you know how do you i love a bit of stress i love a little bit i love living on the edge a little (laughs) bit uh certainly um it's back to the sailing but yeah i need to feel like i'm alive okay so actually i'm one of these people that likes a little bit of stress but i also know when i've gone over that threshold you know actually when i reflect now back on last year we were in a high state you look at your your body and the telltale signs i'm quite in tune my mind is very strong but my body will override it and give me signals when i'm stressed but my mind is like i can keep doing this i can keep doing this Mm -hmm. and then i suddenly notice that i've I can't taste my food or I've, you know, walked very quickly in a very short space of time or most of the pandemic, I was awake between three and five. I just didn't sleep because that was my body saying, you're thinking too much, you're, you know, all mm. of that good stuff. Um, so I'm, my body is my, my, I suppose, my sense check about how stressed I am. And you mentioned kind of sort of back to the kind of people side and the kind of culture you're, you're creating here. You said something about the end of the year you did a bit of a wrap up or a wash up on how things were were going and that you were thinking more about the purpose of the business mm. and I try and do a debrief in any every year um just to kind of put things to bed and there was some really good stuff that happened and I, I felt that there was some really good stuff and there's things that I didn't do particularly well so for instance um you know you saw all these leaders having zoom parties or sending gifts to their team and you know I I I couldn't do that. I, I I I felt like a bit of a failure at that point because there was all these other businesses being really positive and when you're fighting for survival, you you have to just go into survival mode and everything else gets blocked out. So we had this debrief and I, it was like a it was so emotional. Um all I asked them all to show up and to say something nice about each other and also what surprised each other about this. Um and it was it blew my mind away. There was complete honesty. Um and it was looking at what we'd done really well and looking actually next year what we need to do more of. Um, mm. I'm not particularly fun. I am outside of work. But actually as a leader, I find that really difficult to embed in my culture. Um, 
because it's goal orientated and I'm, I'm that way wired. Um, but I have a wonderful, again, my senior team member that who's very empathetic and she, when I wasn't showing up at, you know, being my true self, she would check in with the team and do that, fl- you know, the fluffy stuff, which needed to be done. Um, so the Zoom parties. The and Zoom parties yeah. and, you know, the Zoom chats. And yeah. What, you know, when I, when I could, when I could attend in the right frame of mind and be authentic, happy days, no problem. But if, if things were going down that day, actually I can't show up and put a smile on my face and hey guys, everything's fine mm. when it's not. They're That's not just not mm. who I am. So she was so that the debrief was fantastic. And actually my senior team again are so honest and we have a very honest relationship. It sounds like you're talking about a psychologically safe environment where you can you know, if you mess up something, then that's okay, let's just mm. learn from it. So what where would that apply, for example? For me or the team? Neither really. I've learned to slow down a bit. So what I've learned at the moment is and decision making. So I've pushed a project forward, for instance, and or I've overshared. So, you know, I'm great one for transparency with my team. And I've kind of looked at this last year and we were trying to keep ahead of the government guidelines and this, that and the other. And actually, all I was doing is pushing ideas forward when the government weren't particularly clear, wasting mm. everyone's time. And causing a, a bit of stress. And I just thought, hang on, why well, am I'm, I'm only, this is a marathon, this is not a sprint. Mm. Okay, how am I gonna change this up? Well, this is, this is wrong, this is not mm. working. So I thought, hang on, I will slow down, which is totally against my grain. But mm. let me slow That's down. That's kind of what you learned. Mm. Yeah, I did, I learned that. And okay, do we have to be the first one doing this? No. Do, am I stressed, if I take my time or ask the team just to take a couple of days to, run it over and come back we had a we had a better idea we had a better proposition and everyone wasn't under that undue st- stress mm-hmm. so we've got to slow down to speed up and i don't necessarily mean an example of someone else's failure which might be a bit of an unfortunate thing to share but what what was your attitude to people like getting stuff wrong because that sort of this psychological safety is quite a big thing in culture is what google yeah. says is is how we get high-performing teams. Yeah. It's an environment where people feel safe to fail. So how, how do you approach that? What would you say to people about, you know, maybe it's like a, a new project or a role that requires them to step up in quite yeah. a big way? I've got, well, I've got, I won't mention names. I've got a senior team member who is um, joined us in the pandemic. So, and just the growth and her experience and what she's learned amazing just seen from strength to strength and she's had a few stumbles across she she's but she's one of these great people that you can give honest feedback to and she takes on listens and embeds it so we how i would approach it with you know that example is tell me why you did this talk me through how you think it went Mm. okay what would you do if happened again why would you do it okay let me explain from my you know how much of a business risk was it did we lose money just talk it through and just talk about because Usually with a business decision or an idea, there's usually three or four ideas or paths to choose. Mm. And people choose different paths for different reasons, given sometimes they have different knowledge at that time. So sometimes by broadening knowledge, but they might not have had the, all the knowledge to do X, Y, and Z. So I think it's a bit more of a debrief, uh, more of a, okay, that didn't go so well, let's talk it through. And mm. what have you learned from it? So you're having like a debrief conversation, you're pulling out what went well, what went badly. Are you offering quite direct feedback of part of that? Or are you kind of letting them say, how does that work? How do they know what your opinion is? Or do you not really feel the need to kind of... It depends on the person. I would approach it, again, going back to what you're saying, some people like detail. 
examples, hard evidence, hard facts, some like theoretical. Mm. It depends on the person who I'm giving that feedback to because it's important that you have that right balance, mm. um, that they're not offended, but they take it on board. Mm. That's important really, isn't it? It's, I mean, Brene Brown says clear is kind. Mm. You know, so I think it is. But it's nice that you're also adapting to the way because we, we all receive messages better in different mm. ways. Some people... So I love things really direct, yeah. but some people would be like, really offended i need it kind as well like i do need someone to be compassionate about yeah but sometimes i draw a picture this this is the outcome i mean sometimes it could be visual Mm. or sometimes it you know i think you've got to be smart on that so you know you're you're taking this this venue this conference center and all the surrounding aspects of the business i don't even know if i understand it totally but it's massive what you do here um so how do you look after yourself for all of this Mm. i thought this was really important actually from the the get-go. I'm quite an active person. I think I alluded that, you know, my body tells me when I'm not great rather than my mind. Um, So actually every morning, my partner and I, Simon, would get up and go for a walk, like I commute to work. So I'd have those early morning walk and talks and the debrief at the evening. Um, Exercise, water sports, you know, anything I could do to be active because I think you have the venue aspect and the business aspect to take care of, but then you do have your your team to take care of. So we had, you know, times that we would have an emergency chat at a Saturday night because someone's friend, family might have got COVID, so someone had to self-isolate or, you know, actually that was a worry. You didn't want to put your staff in that horrendous environment. Um, We did consult with the staff to see how they felt coming back and I'm I'm lucky to have people that wanted to come back, but we did really balance it with the safety aspect as well. Mm. But looking after yourself, you know, my partner is a real strength of character and he grounds me. We have a giggle. I think you have to have a laugh when the chips are really down. Mm. Um, so he's been fantastic. And, you know, seeing family at a socially distance where you can, um, just being quite grounded and have, have a laugh when you can. I think giggling and real belly laughter helps, helps, helps definitely. And a good bottle of um, <laughs> New Zealand wine is <laughs> quite fun. Um, and cooking. I love, you know, it's it was about not forgetting... The small things. I love cooking. I like food. Uh, you know, the small experiences of, you know, enjoying your home. And Because I'm never at home. So actually, it was a wonderful time for us just to be a bit grounded and slow down a bit and just slow it down. Take care mm. of each other, you know, each other and, you know, your health. And what kind of are you most looking forward to, sort of, in terms of leadership and leading the team? Like, where, what's next now? And you've come out of... For all this probably most people want to break but take on the world no absolutely (laughs) I think I feel this incredible sense of camaraderie with the team we've been you know I and I said this to them and you know we will never forget where we were when the pandemic hit um we will never forget how we acted and you know that that's going to be etched so we can come out fitter and stronger what do we learn from it but also reflect that it was it was hard it was really tough and acknowledge that not sweep it under the carpet um, I think, you know, a bit like Christmas, come the 21st of June or now 19th of July, I might take two weeks off and get really ill because <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, it might be over. But I think we've got a massive expansion. It's really important, the culture piece, because actually how I am as a leader, how the team are, we've got new team members, we're expanding the business. I want to embed that culture and I want, I want to embed that we're a great place to work and just take the team from like strength to strength, new opportunities. Thank you, Nicole, for all of your sharing. I'm completely in awe of what you and your team have done. 
And I particularly loved Nicole's own self-reflection on slowing down and how her own enthusiasm needs managing. And that kind of self-awareness is really vital in a leader. I'm Ruth Frenger, and you've been listening to the Conscious Leaders Podcast, showcasing the human side of great leadership so you can learn about what it's really like and gain both philosophical and practical takeaways. To learn more about us and what we do to help leaders build a calm, collaborative and productive workplace, visit ConsciousLeaders.org.uk.